Good to have you three and out here on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to as we head into the college football weekend. Chaz Sutton, former South Carolina uh, defensive lineman, Savannah Native, will join us. We'll talk about South Carolina and Florida. And uh, we will look at uh, Jason Foster, 2007 Walter Payton Award winning quarterback from Georgia Southern, will join us coming up in our number two. But uh, joining us here right off the show, the athletic director of Georgia Southern University, Jared Binko, joins us after a big press conference yesterday for Clay Helton. Jared, welcome. How are you? Good, guys. It's good to be with y'all. Hope y'all are doing all right. We are. We're doing fantastic. I know the, uh, the big announcement yesterday, and uh, you talked about – uh, this process, uh, what ultimately led you to, to, to Clay Helton? And uh, obviously, what, what were kind of things you were looking for from Clay that, that said, you know, this is the direction we're going? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, we had a lot of interest from coaches across the country, um, head coaches, coordinators, position coaches. And really, at the end of the day, when you look at all your, your, your criteria and the boxes you want to check, you know, Coach Helton checks it all. I mean, he wanted a very high level at, at USC and I share with our president, I don't know how many, how many times I'll have a chance to hire a Rose Bowl champion. Um, and, and so not only winning the Rose Bowl and winning the Pac-12, but being three uh, championship games. And uh, you look at recruited elite level, explosive offenses. I mean, um, quite honestly, there really was more of a question, why not? And so it worked really well for us. And I think he's a great fit. And listen, he spent 15 years in the South, so he knows the South. And he was at Memphis for 10 years, and Duke for uh, two, and Auburn for three. So Across the board, I think a really good fit for us and excited to get it going day one. Jared, great energy yesterday. Uh, what was what was yesterday like from your perspective? Yeah, listen, it was a culmination of a, of a lot of hard work, a lot of talking uh, to different coaches. And so really, um, you know, when you go through these processes, like anything in life, you get locked in. And so we were locked in for four or five straight weeks. And so it's like anything in life when it finally comes to the day for announcements. It's, it's surreal. It's a lot of excitement, obviously. Uh, but I'll be also quite honest with you too. It was a I, I slept better last night than I have in a while. So it was a uh, it was a good deal across the board. And but really, it was an excitement for Eagle Nation. And really, what, what they got a chance to see was what I saw throughout the process. Is you know, here's someone that can step in right away and make a big impact. And you'll see it right out of the gate in recruiting. And then obviously, as we as we get through the season, and we have four more games, have Coastal Carolina tomorrow. But you'll see it in the in, in the offseason conditioning as well. And some of the things we're going to do to build out our football staff to resemble. You know, power fives, or it really gets me excited. Jared, it's one, it's one thing to have a guy you really want. It's another thing to get the guy you coveted. He, I mean, the one thing Coach said yesterday was, he said, look, a, a conversation was supposed to last 10 minutes, lasted over an hour. How much yeah. is how you and, and you know, uh, Coach Vibin had had a lot to do with the decision as well? Yeah, I had a lot. I was joking yesterday. It took several phone calls with my wife at the time. Now, girlfriend, time to get her on a date, you know. So, obviously, I had more success with Coach Holden than my wife. So, but, uh, you know, on a serious note, no, I mean, I think it's like anything, Ben. I, one of the things I said from the outset was I wanted someone that was going to be a partner. Um, listen, this, this business is so competitive. Football and the Sun Belt and across the country is so competitive. you got to have alignment. If you don't have alignment, it can be a pretty big hurdle. You know, you're not going to reach your full potential. So, the alignment piece to me was huge. And so, you know, day one is like anything. There's people that you drive with. There's people that you, um, you know, hit it off right out of the gate. And, and really with, with Coach Helton, it was, it was, I had the same impressions. And really the one thing I, I was sharing earlier yesterday, you try to not have confirmation bias because these searches, you're talking to so many people, you don't want to fall in love with a candidate. But obviously it was, you know, number one from the get-go. And, and, and he, he did a great job just showing about him wanting to be here. 
his credentials spoke for himself, but he wanted to be in Statesboro, and that meant a lot. Jared Binko, Georgia Southern Athletic Director, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, Jared, speak to the timing of this move. Obviously, uh, you still got a month left of the football yeah. season uh, and about a month and a half until that, that early signing day. How important was it to get him in now and give him a month evaluation of the current roster plus, I guess, recruiting and hitting that, that early signing period? Yeah, I mean, that was that was an important piece. At the end of the day, we tried to fire – you know, we wanted to hire the best coach and – you know what that situation was obviously each person's start day could be contingent upon their current job and you know coach Helen was not only the best fit for us and also came into play as we started looking at possibilities for a start date I mean he starts today day one and we've already been meeting this morning on, on staffing opportunities going to create a board draft board for guys on the position coaches talking off the field so you know there's just there's there's inherent advantages you know Kevin's starting this early and I'll tell you the biggest one's recruiting I mean the recruiting piece is huge and he can get on the road immediately. And so um, there's just a lot of things that, that ultimately that wasn't the driver in the decision, but it definitely created some tailwinds and some excitement when you start kind of putting the two and two together of hiring the best coach. And oh, by the way, he gets a five-week head start. And that was a, that was a pretty strong combination. When you were evaluating candidates uh, initially, what, what stood out most to you about Coach Helton? You know, I would say a couple of things. One, you know, you get a lot of elite coaches. And so sometimes you're, you're, you know, you're, you're splitting hairs here. You have a guy that has been, you know, at one of the top five elite programs in the country and, and won 67% of his games. And we talked about other accolades. And the other piece, too, is, you know, when you talk to former student athletes, which is important, they'll say, listen, I, I take a bullet for the guy. Like, he, they, like they were saying how instrumental he's been in their upbringing and in their development as young men. And, man, there's just a lot of people you can find that can coach. But, but he gets it. Like, he gets the whole 360 of, we have an awesome responsibility, you know, BJ, to develop young men of character. And I mentioned that yesterday. There's a lot of good coaches out there. But when we talk to prospective student athletes and talk to their moms and dads and say, listen, you send us a boy, we're going to send you a man back, we really mean it. Um, and so getting a degree is not just the, the goal anymore. It's getting a, a, a career and a job as soon as you leave here. And so when you have someone that understands how important that is, but also someone that's recruited to the elite level. And I'll share the last thing, too, is, you know, listen, we all work a lot of long hours and, I'm sure sometimes y'all feel like you spend more time with each other than your families, and that's part of the the, the nature. I love what I do, and, and athletics is a lifestyle, but you want to be part of people you genuinely like, people you genuinely respect. And so then the day, if you're going to lock arms, you want to lock arms with someone that has like-minded values and morals. And so that was that was the icing on the cake. Jerry, how, 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 how is it knowing, too, that you got a guy who understands not just not just Georgia Southern football, but, you know, like just being in the South, he he's saying that you hear you can hear my twang. The thing that kind of hurt him when he was in California is gonna help him. And obviously being from Gainesville, uh, playing at Auburn, his daddy playing in Florida, and understanding just Southern football in general, it, it, collegially, yeah. it's got to help when you're walking into these uh, young men's living room. Oh, it's so now. I mean, listen, you know, one of the things that I've said since I got here at Statesboro is what reminds me a lot of the SEC towns I've been in. It's football 365 a year, and so. There's not much brighter lights than you get in L.A., right? And so, you know, being able to have success there, I think that says a lot. And, you know, when it comes here, you know, you think about Statesboro and where we are, man, we've got just an awesome opportunity with six national championships in our history. And we've got a chance to get this program back where it needs to be. And I just think, Ben, to your point, when you go into the homes of moms and dads, right, and you can talk about whether it's developing, you know, first-round draft picks or, you know, here's some people that maybe didn't have the talent that are now in – you know, you know, C-suite executive, you know, whatever the situation is, you can curtail your messaging who you're talking to. And I think that's the piece where 
you've been at USC and have success. I mean, listen, guys, he had more success than, you know, Sarkeesian, than Ogeron, Lane Kiff. I mean, this is a guy that is, is done it the right way and, and, and obviously takes a, a keen interest in these young men. And so that's the thing to me, Ben, if I, if I was, you know, going to talk to a young man, if I was in his position, hey, listen, I know you believe me, but talk to the young men I've coached, you know. And that's one of the things where at the end of the day, when you go through that process, you know, having that strong recruiting background and having recruited all over the country, it comes into play because, as you and I both know, you know, South Georgia, anything below I-20, man, it's just a it's a goldmine of prospective student-athletes. And so having someone that can go out and recruit at a high level is just going to make us better. And, and, Jared, to speak to that, you got a guy that's got, obviously, the coaching pedigree, the recruiting piece, and you're bringing him into a league that's getting ever competitive. Uh, obviously, in the last two weeks, seemingly every other day, it's this team's coming in, and now this team's coming in, and reports are there may be an announcement about another team coming in officially uh, in, in the coming days. I mean, this is obviously going to be a highly competitive environment for a league that is expecting to be the top G5 league out there. Yeah, listen, I know I'm biased, Kevin, but it is. I mean, it's the top G5 league. And I think all you have to do is look at the coaches and the recruits that are coming in um, and the schools, right? And so, um, you know, it's not a coincidence where you're going now, you know, every game you're at, you're seeing a bunch of NFL scouts. That's not by accident, right? There, there's high-level student-athletes here on each of our campuses. And you start looking around the league now, the recent hires, I mean, the, the quality of coaches you have in this league, I think, is a, a derivative or a byproduct of these schools' strengths, you know, getting better and better. And so you're right. I mean, with, with us eventually going to 14 teams, the announcement's soon coming. I mean, it's it's going to be a competitive league. And, you know, listen, that's what you want. Like, you don't want to have a, a league where it's top-heavy or it's just diluted down. I mean, there's there's some thoroughbreds in this conference. And I would tell you going forward, next three to five years, you're going to see further separation, in my opinion, of Sunbelt from others. And, um, again, these, these start to become destination jobs and not just stepping stones. The Sun Belt has gotten a lot of national attention. Uh, obviously, this hire has gotten a lot of national attention. Has that have, have those headlines added to the momentum that you guys have already established there in Statesboro? No, I think so, BJ. I, I think that's one of the pieces that excites me because, you know, I've said from the get go, and I know visibly y'all that we're not a we're not a regional brand. I really feel like we're a national brand as we continue to grow, and so I think this further. Um, accentuates what we're doing here. We're, we're trying to administer and run this program like a Power 5 program. And as I share with y'all, that's all I know. And so the biggest part is just expecting, setting the vision, setting expectations very high, and then working our tail off to, 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 to get there. And I think this hire is going to go a long way because as you look across the board, with the new hires we brought in, they're already having success in year one of the programs. And so the next three to five years, you're going to see we want to be a, you know, a thoroughbred and, and, and be well-versed in every sport. And that's where that competitive excellence and Ben knows being a Florida, I mean, when you're in the SEC, you want to be good at everything. Like you don't want to be deficient at anything. That's any sport. And so for all 17 sports, we want to be considered the best in the conference. And that's a lofty goal. And I get it. And maybe some say it's untainable, but we're going to keep working towards that. And so football, obviously, if athletics is a front porch, football is a front porch of all front porches. And so we're going to get this thing back on track. We're going to get it back to where we need uh, it to be. And ultimately, the rest will kind of you know, kind of fall into place because I do believe a rising tide lifts all boats. I really do. The one thing that stood out about uh, Coach Heldon's uh, press conference was he was talking about the community. He was talking about the family. He was yeah. talking about just understanding where he was at Georgia Southern. I mean, I remember when Coach uh, Zook first came in to Florida replacing Coach Spurrier. He kind of let us know where we were. We had kind of gotten used to being there. 
Just talk about how a guy that comes in, because a lot of times, you know, these guys have to focus on where they are, Jerry. But he was like, look, man, I'm talking about the people calling my phone in the Statesboro community. And he said, look, man, when I when I got the call, he would have, quote, walked from uh, Southern Cal to uh, Georgia Southern. Now, I don't know how long that would have took, but I want, I, I want he's going to have to do that one of these offseasons. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess it depends if he hitchhiked or not. It might take it might not take as long. But um I mean heck, sometimes I think I'm walking a mile down the road for, for lunch is too long to walk. I can't imagine across the country. But um no, listen, I think one of the great things and I'll I'll share this with you, it kinda of ties in. So Ben, when you're talking to to prospective coaches, you know, they're they're looking at a couple of things. This is synonymous across the board. I, mean, I talked to seventeen plus coaches. And so one thing that I think is really strong for us, we have history and tradition. You can't just create that, right? You know, even like last week, we have two wins. We had over almost 16, 17,000 fans at, at the homecoming game last week. So you're getting that right out of the gate. The other thing you can replicate is fertile recruiting grounds, right? And then the last piece to me that makes it so important is you've got not only an institution on the rise, but you've got a community that lives, eats, and breathes football. And so when you talk to coaches, those three things check the boxes. And the last piece of alignment at the top from the president, the AD on down the football. In this asset, when we're recruiting people here, we're saying, hey, from day one, you're going to have alignment. And I'll tell you, in Clay's standpoint, I think he had two presidents and three ADs. And you can imagine when you have a lot of turnover in different important roles like that, it, there's, there's, there's inconsistencies, right? And so I'm excited about you know, Dr. Murrow, myself, and now Clay being in lockstep from day one. And then the community who's come out in droves to continue to support our teams. And now, I mean, Ben, listen, I'm, I'm hearing from people that um, have been engaged, but not to the level of maybe they want to be engaged. And you wouldn't believe just the text messages, calls. You know, we have the thing tonight as well for our Giving Society members. I mean, people are coming out of the woodworks, and that just gets you fired up because it, it takes everyone on board to try to make this place elite. Jared Binko, Georgia Southern Athletic Director, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, Jared, I know uh, ADs are always busy, but, man, uh, football coaching hire. you got basketball starting next week officially. Your conference uh, is expanding. What has the league kind of told you about when that officially takes place? Because, obviously, that goes into conference scheduling and what you guys want to do uh, with your various sports out of conference. How quickly are you looking at this Sun Belt expanding? Officially. Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. So I think part of it, honestly, those are, those are actually we're having dialogue next week on that. I mean, it could be as early as next year, more than likely 23. I think part of that uh, really, you know, centers around uh, financial distributions. You know, really a lot of us had kind of thought about 23 as being the year that the full distribution comes online for these schools. Um, there might be a situation where in 22 they come online and get no financial distribution. So that's to be determined. So, you know, I think in some, in some ways 23 is probably most – uh, I'd say the highest, you know, percentage-wise of occurring. But there is a pathway to 22. There's just details we got to iron out, and most of that's just financials. Jared Binko, our guest here on 3 and Out. The work never stops, Jared, but we appreciate you uh, giving us some time today. Thanks so much. That was good. I'll be on the show, guys. I'm going to be back. I have, I've been on a hiatus from from uh, grilling out and, and using my smoker, so I'm going to light that thing up on, on Sunday and probably do a brisket. So I, I've been – I got to get back on and knock the dust off and the rust off. So. <laughs> well, well deserved, uh, Jared. Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, see you guys. Hell Southern. Appreciate it, uh, Jared Biko joining us here. And again, uh, you get Clay Helton uh, coming into the program. And uh, as he said, uh, your conference is expanding. 
new head football coach. Uh, college basketball, BJ, officially starts next week. And you got two programs in men's and women's that really want to compete in the Sun Belt. And I think you got soccer. I saw that their women's team is in the Sun Belt semifinals. So uh, he is a busy guy uh, trying to keep track of uh, all that's going on within that Eagles athletic program. But as he said, football is all you had to go out and get the right guy. And obviously it feels like uh, with Clay Helton, he's that guy. A lot of momentum, and you think about uh, Clay Helton, his resume, his reputation, uh, the the energy. Of course, Christian was there on site yesterday for us, but the energy uh, just that you heard uh, from the stream of the press conference was very real. And I think there's an excitement not only locally and regionally, but nationally around the program. And uh, great perspective from Jared on the hiring process, and also the Sun Belt, uh, which has momentum itself league wide, and uh, what may be uh, coming up soon for that league. Kevin, I mean, uh, you know, Jared, uh, you know, he put he put he put a lot of uh, put a lot of smoke in his uh, on his grilling ability when it comes to the, you know when it come to him and, and the brisket and things of that nature. But uh, no, they they got the guy they wanted, right? Jared Bingo, he, he talks about what goes into this process, how many guys they ended up interviewing before they got the guy that they wanted. But you want a guy that loves football, you want a guy that understands the the rich tradition uh, uh, of Georgia Southern, and a guy that wants to go out there and recruit. And uh, Coach Helton, I mean, he checks off all the boxes. Looking forward to seeing him getting out there because from his. Uh, Preliminary press conference, Kevin. Looks like this guy's going to bring a lot of, uh, you know, energy and enthusiasm back to the program. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I'm Brad Stewart, former Georgia Tech wide receiver and former... Good to have you here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. We'll hear from Chaz Sutton, former South Carolina defensive lineman, Savannah Native. Uh, he'll join us coming up in just a little bit. In hour two, BJ and Ben will talk to Jason Falter. Uh, Jason Foster, man, it's a Friday 2007, Walter Payton award-winning quarterback at Georgia Southern. And important to note, BJ, that he was recruited by Mike Seawalk but did not play quarterback in that option offense. He actually played for Chris Hatcher, who was obviously the air raid, the hatch attack, uh, that kind of thing. And so he kind of has an idea of what Georgia Southern's looking at here with Clay Helton and getting away from that option. And I know they're not running the true – Paul Johnson, Mike Seawalk, triple option, but getting away from some of those principles to more of a traditional, I guess, as much as it is anymore, a college football offense. Really excited to chat with Jason. You know, one of the great players in college football history, and as you mentioned, is going to have a great perspective on the offensive transition coming up because Jason was a wide receiver in in the flexbone offense, like you said, with Coach Seawalk. Uh, had played a couple of different roles there for a season with Brian Van Gorder. And then in 2007, when he set all kind of records, I believe had the most rushing yards uh, for a quarterback in a single season at any level of NCAA football. And I had over, I think, about 3,100 total yards. So it was making plays, throwing and running. That was with Chris Hatcher, as you mentioned, coming over from Valdosta State, who's uh, gone to other places, I believe now at Sanford and 
you 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 saw incredible production, but it wasn't out of the flex bone as people had grown accustomed to, of course, in Statesboro. So, I mean, Ben, you were kind of showing me some 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 plays and uh, schemes earlier. I went and looked, and Clay Helton, understand this. I believe he said yesterday he was at SC for a dozen years and was in a couple of different roles beyond just head coach. He was interim head coach. He also was offensive coordinator, was quarterbacks coach. But I went and looked back at his last full season. Obviously was fired uh, earlier this season at SC, and last year was uh, the, the, the short COVID season. In 2019, when Clay Helton was the coach at SC, they ran the ball 43.2% of the time. So pretty balanced, you know, pretty balanced attack, but a little more pass heavy. Uh, you know, you wonder kind of what the goal will be initially at Georgia Southern and if that will change with time. But there are so many right then similar principles where whatever your offense is, whatever you call it, however you line up, a lot of the same things and reads still apply. So I'll be very interested to hear what Jason has to say and, of course, to watch Georgia Southern uh, this offseason next spring try to establish their identity offensively. It's, it's not going to be as hard of a transition as people give it credit for. What's hard to do is when you play a certain style of offense because you got to get a certain kind of player to fit that scheme. When you talk, BJ, when you talk about the RPO world, RPO is nothing but you know run-pass option. Yes, I mean, I know when you've gotten used to winning a certain way at a certain school for so long, you ask yourself, well, why hasn't it, why hasn't it worked as of late? Because, you know, when you, when you have a run-heavy offense, it isn't built to come back when you are down double-digit points. Like, what football, what football forced you to do is be good at what you're not good at. And they're not good at throwing the football to Georgia Southern because they run the football so well. The magic number is 200. Every time Georgia Southern rushed for 200 yards, they won the game. Think about that. We got to rush for 200. There are teams that can't, they don't rush for 200 yards in two games, let alone average it. So, Coach Helton understands that, look, I want to be, he's looking around the Sun Belt, and he's saying, hmm, Coastal Carolina, balance. You know what I'm saying? Louisiana, balance. You know, uh, App, balance. We, we play a certain style that fits us when we're winning. And when we're losing, you get exposed in a passing game. So, I think he's going to do kind of – BJ, me and you, we was at uh, Georgia Tech when they spring game. What they came out with, oh, they finna run – they finna run uh, – you know, they finna run the trip. Uh-uh. And then they, they go they go check, and then they go out to see what – it takes a while, not because, of, not because of the scheme, because of the players. A certain player, and now you got to go to another scheme. But Coach Helton, he'll be able to get some players in there. And let me tell you guys something. RPOs, when done right, it's beautiful to watch because when you're looking around, Coastal Carolina has gotten really, really good as of late. App is still the beast of the Sun Belt. And Louisiana, they're pretty good, too. you got to be able to compete with the offense around you. And every well, time ben, you run the football, put yeah, some more and, pressure and on your defense. You're talking about, you're talking about Coastal Carolina, and, and I expect Georgia Southern to have a you know, good effort this weekend, a real spirited effort against uh, the Chanticleers this weekend. But you talk about uh, your peers in your league. I was doing some statistical research for the game, and obviously Georgia Southern has played some very, you know, very young, talented, very young guys. Uh, but but right now, when you look at that matchup for this weekend in terms of team passer rating, uh, Coastal Carolina is number one in the country right now, team passer rating, and Georgia Southern is 130th. So I think when you look at Georgia Southern and kind of what type of change offensively and schematically uh, is ahead, it, you know, I don't think you're talking about one specific style, right, as much as it's, hey, this is going to be the name of our offense and this is what we're going to do. Kevin, I know you've talked about – Chris Hatcher's offense is a lot that people kind of think, oh, he's throwing it 70 times a game. 
And yes, at Sanford, he did have Devlin Hodges, who went on to set records, but he's also had great ground games, including uh, dual threat production from Jason Foster. So I think it's just about trying to find that balance. And I don't know if that's something that you immediately expect to see consistently in year one, but my guess would be, Kev, you're talking about, uh, you know, great talented players on the roster already, you know, bringing in even more talent and, and just trying to have, like Ben said, that balance where you can have some adaptability schematically with your play calling, kind of depending on the circumstances, right? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I, I, I take coaches what they say in their press conference with a little bit of a grain of salt. Do I think he's running the option? No, I, I do. I do know that. But Ben, you know this, BJ, you've been to a lot of press conferences. Who was the last football coach that went into a press conference and didn't say we want to be 50-50? I even think Mike Leach went into his press conference and Mississippi State said we're going to be 50-50. Probably. I mean, I mean, they all say that. My guess would be Georgia Southern's going to throw it a little bit more than they run it. That would be my guess, just because of the kind of the style of uh, offense that, uh, that Clay Helton likes to run. That would be my guess. Now, you have to improve – at the quarterback position, throwing the football, you need to improve blocking and able to allow your quarterback time to throw the football. But, yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily buy the 50-50 stuff. Ben, how many coaches have you played for that said we want to be 50-50, and how many of them actually did it? Oof, I mean, that is, that is a selling point because you understand that you got running backs listening, and you got, you know, uh, receivers and tight ends listening. But, I mean, it's the, the game will dictate how, you know, what it is, like, you know, 50-50, 60-40, but – I could deal with 60-40, uh, you know, run pass. I can't deal with 70-30. I can't deal with 80-20 because that means that we're favoring one over the other. You look at any team that's balanced. What, and bigger than offense, you, how can we help our defense? Be in balance. Sometimes we need to have long drives. You, you run, Listen, you throw the ball to score, you run the ball to win. You want to be able to run the ball when you want to run the clock out. You want to be able to throw the ball to get in the end zone. If you can do that, Coach Helton, you will have a lot of fun in Georgia Southern. Because, yes, you can't – Kevin, you know this. Kevin, you're, listen, you're a coach now. How many times <laughs> you deal with parents and say, hey, why isn't my baby playing? And you go, have you seen him? I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. That's that's not hard. Dude, dude, whoa, 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 whoa. I think there's a far cry from – Listen, listen, from all, listen, all, listen, all I'm saying is, BJ – Listen, uh, no, play call is not dictated by the situation. The, the people running the plays dictate what you call. If you got the players to do it, go out there and call it. And, and over time, it'll get better. But, yeah, Coach Helton, for one press conference, oh, he won me over. Now you got to win over them Georgia Southern fans, and that's going to be easier said than done. But, Kevin, I think he even said that yesterday to, to, to uh, a certain extent when we were streaming the press conference, you know, something along the lines of, and, and this is, of course, not a direct quote, but something along the lines of, you know, you don't come in with, we're definitely going to do this. You're going to be responsive to your personnel and, you know, your strengths. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a process. I don't, I don't think immediately you're going to have this, you know, uh, a consistent identity where this is what you do regardless of opponent, regardless of the week. I think it'll be something that, that, that is fluid to a certain extent and maybe changes a little bit. But I think there is excitement uh, around, around the hire, around the program. And, yeah, when you think about a guy that's been the offensive coordinator, uh, head coach, quarterback's coach at Southern Cal, excitement around the offense and uh, what that unit could be moving forward. Yeah, we've got more to come here on this Friday. Chaz Sutton, former South Carolina defensive lineman, Savannah Native, he will join us when we return. Florida and South Carolina coming up this weekend. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, and Ben Troop. College football this weekend, South Carolina, Florida, uh, squaring off in the SEC. And uh, a big one for both of uh, those schools. And joining us here, a former South Carolina uh, Gamecock out of the Savannah area, Chaz Sutton, joins us here on 3 and Out. Chaz, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on and uh, and joining us. You, you look around the SEC, you get to this last month. What's this final push like uh, as an SEC player, especially a, a guy in the trenches? Uh, well, you know, if your team is a contender, especially for that, you know, that East or Western division, um, it's like, hey, it's you know, every game is a must win. Can't leave nothing out there, no plays out there. I just remember my days, you know, uh, we got either in the middle of the season or at the end of the season. It was maybe one or two games in 2011 and and 2013 where you know, hey, we lost because of one play or or, or one mistake that could have put us in the SEC championship. So you know, right now this late push is always you know pivotal. You know, and certain teams can help you put you back in that game if they lose. So you kind of count on some teams to lose so you like all right well we had one loss or maybe we had two losses but and now that team beat the team that we needed to lose so now we're back in the, uh, the championship game so you know it it all comes full circle sometimes Chaz, want to ask you about Shane Beamer and about South Carolina possibly getting bowl eligible but Saturday night in Columbia what's a Saturday night at Williams Bryce Stadium like Man, when that stadium is packed, man, it's electric, man. I I, I can just tell you, man. Uh, I remember we played Georgia, uh, 2012. Um, that 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 was my redshirt junior year, and I think we was number six and they was number five. Stadium, you know, packed to the max, sold out game, ESPN, and it was like, it was it was to the point where you could just feel the grass shaking up under your cleats, and that's that's how electric that stadium can be. And in a moment like that, um, that was just like one of that's like one of my favorite Gamecock moments of all time. Just playing in that game and just being able to, you know, to take the dogs down thirty-five to seven that night. That was like, you know, that I'll, I will never forget that moment. That's something I always tell all my, you know, my children and grandchildren. And Chaz, every time I every time I talk to a guy that played in South Carolina, they always say it's different. When you play, I, I was blessed enough to play against Dante Robinson when you was there, and guys like Stephon Gilmore and Alshon Jeffrey. What what makes it different for you guys? You know, you guys that play, you know, play for them guys in Columbia. Oh well, the, the difference is, you know, we got a great fan base, and uh, you know, they they back us when we're you know we're up, and they back us when we're down. Um, you know, like South Carolina had a lot of down years, and you know, when I when I came around. Uh, in 20, uh, 2009 and, and my stretch from uh, 09 to 13, we had some decent years. So, you know, the fan base became much more stronger and, and gravitated towards us more with Coach Spurrier being there. And, um, you know, just us having a, those uh, type of caliber players on, on our team, that definitely helped, you know. And, and it, it gave us a push, and, and it also, you know, bought it bought more uh, re- rele- relevance to, to our program, I should say. Chaz Sutton, former South Carolina Gamecock, Jenkins High School. Uh, Warrior there in Savannah. And Chaz, uh, you you mentioned playing there at South Carolina and now Shane Beamer uh, back there as uh, as head football coach and uh, trying to get South Carolina back up there near the top of the East. How do you kind of evaluate the job he's done here uh, back on the job? Well, you know, Coach, he's he's an energetic guy. You know, I had a chance to – 
to play for him back in uh, 2009 and 2010 when he was uh, the special teams coordinator. And he's going to, you know, he's going to, you know, type of coach that's going to push these guys, type of coach that want the guys to have fun and, and be able to play this game at a high level. And I think, you know, in years to come, he, he's going to have that program to where it needs to be. It just, you know, takes some time. And the guys that's there now, especially the young guys, they definitely got to buy in. You know, like, the, you know, the older guys, the seniors, you know, this their last year, they just got to do what the hands that dealt, but I think you know it's just you got a new regime. You just got to be able, be able to lay down your foundation and, and go from there. And I think you know, Coach. I think Coach Beamer, he has a shot to get it back on track. South Carolina, Chaz, four and four overall, but three of those losses are are, are to ranked teams. What must South Carolina do if they're going to get a big win over Florida on Saturday night? Uh, they just got to minimize the mistakes. Um, play a mistake-free football game and execute, uh, you know, anybody has a chance to win. So, and when you play in the SEC, it's any given Saturday. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, you might might be the last team or we might be the number one team or whatever the case may be, you know. Like, nobody expected, you know, Texas A&M to take down Alabama this year. You know, I didn't expect that. But, like I, like, like I said, you know, mistake-free football and, and it's all about executing. That's what we got to do. We just got to go out. On offense and defense, especially up front, we definitely got to, you know, come together up front and, and definitely uh, put put together a well-played uh, game. I mean, Chaz, this this weekend uh, ought to be bittersweet for you. I mean, I know you ended up up there in Columbia, but, I mean, I'm back in the day it says you was committed to them Gators, man. I want to know what happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was. I was uh, I was riding high on, on the Gator Chomp in, uh, in high school, and then, uh, you know, I – I, I slipped. I slipped between the cracks. Uh, I had some uh, issues with academics, and uh, and you know any young men out there that's listening in high school, man, you know academics is is very important, especially when you first get there, ninth through through tenth grade, maybe eleventh grade. That's your foundation. So you know your core classes. You know you just definitely gotta you know put your foot down on it and and, and make sure you get all A's and B's. You know I was just the type of kid that just wanted to get by so I can keep playing football. But then once I started getting all these different offers from different schools, you know, I was a C, you know, a C average student and, and my test scores wasn't that great. So it, it kind of, it kind of hindered me from end up becoming a Gator, you know, but, you know, I want to take that. I don't regret, you know, my path that, that I went through, you know, I, I had to do that so it can humble me and, and, and make me more resilient. So, you know, where I'm at today. And that's, I mean, that's such a, a great message there, Chaz, when you, when you, you tell folks that about the other uh, recruiting process and, what what's that? Is that one of those things where like you just didn't know uh, going through it that hey, what happens my ninth grade year? I mean, everybody hears offer, 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 junior, senior year, but as you said, a lot of kids and, and folks don't think about ninth, tenth grade year is kind of being the, uh, the as you said the groundwork that gets you there. Right. Yeah. So you know, for me, I was the guinea pig. So um, and another guy by the name of Franklin Green, we was basically guinea pigs. Nobody knew what it took to get to that point. Hey, hey. We know you need good grades. We know you got to have a solid test score. But, like, you know, when it comes to the sliding scale, we didn't understand that from uh, kids that's coming from a certain neighborhood in Savannah that, you know, where nobody has those opportunities. So it was just one of those things that, hey, this is my first time experiencing this. But, you know, now that we're here, we got to figure out how to fix it and get it corrected before signing day. We tried everything, but it didn't work out. So I ended up at Fort Union Military Prep. And later on, signing with South Carolina and the Gamecocks, and 
you know, I had a, I had a decent career there, you know. So um, the biggest thing is for the recruits, man, just, you know, if you know that your goal is to play college football, start early. Don't wait until, you know, like for me, I, I waited until Greg Schiano showed up at Jenkins High School and said, okay, I'm going to do my work now. So that that's the biggest thing, you know, start today. Like for freshmen, it starts day one when you walk into them school halls. Hey, I need all A's and B's. Nothing below 80. And, Chaz, beyond your football and your professional career, uh, you're, a, you're, you're an author as well. You wrote a book. I know you've talked to us about that before. But uh, for folks who don't know, talk about why that was important to you and what that process was like. Well, you know, me, for um, becoming an author was just something that I was dealing with personally, uh, you know, um, and kind of sort of still dealing with it, but it's one of those things where, I'm a dad, and, you know, I love my son to death, and, you know, just one of those things that I was just going through mentally and trying to figure out how can I, you know, overcome it, and writing a book was just kind of just let, releasing my emotions and just showing the world that, you know, and, and just trying to encourage other dads, like, hey, never give up, always fight for your children or your child or whatever the case may be, and, and just be there, you know, whatever whatever it takes, just be there, and that was the biggest message that I wanted to get out you know, when, when I wrote that uh, particular book. And Chaz, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I get the love you have for your son and your voice and now being able to become an author, but how much of that was discovered at a place like Columbia? People don't, people, you know, you, obviously you came up, you know, city, Savannah, did you go from there to Columbia, but people don't get that you, you kind of discover who you are outside of football while you're playing football. What did Chaz discover about himself that got discovered in Columbia? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, like uh, just playing a game of football and going out outside of high school to college and then playing pro. Like it just – like the game of football like basically saved my life and, and showed me different things. You know, like it took me out of a, a, a certain environment in Savannah and put me in Columbia, South Carolina, put me around different individuals that was able to, you know, help groom me and, and, and show me, you know, different and – once I started to learn that and, and, and put myself in different networks and then you start to see yourself evolve as a, as a, as a young man into a man and then start to see that, okay, there's other things that I can do to make, you know, to make myself better, a uh, better individual. So I always tell myself when I wake up in the morning, hey, let's get 1% better today at whatever it is, you know. So I know when I was in college, I said I want to write a book, but it wasn't a book that, it, it wasn't a children's book. It was more so of a book of just just being bitter about my transition from high school to college and, and the pro level and stuff like that. So it was just like, all right, well, I don't really want to do that. That's not really my main focus. That's that's just something that I just threw out there. But, all right, what is like, what am I really passionate about? And I knew I was passionate about my son, uh, Jay. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a book, and it's basically going to be depicting like me and me and him having a good time just hanging out with each other and 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 just you know just focusing on that 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 father and son bond Chaz Sutton our guest here on three and out Chaz really appreciate the time thanks so much all right thank you guys for having me appreciate it Chaz Sutton our guest here on three and out we'll come back with more hit us up on twitter at pigskin radio good to have you here three and out on the southern pigskin radio network we'll take three Next hour, also hear from Jason Foster, Georgia Southern quarterback, former Georgia Southern quarterback, uh, next hour as well. So looking forward to that as we talk more college football with you. Ben, I know you had a uh, 
a quick shout out you want yes. to throw out there as well? Big time game this weekend, man. Shout out to them Evan Knights, the 10U football team on a undefeated <laughs> season, 9-0 capped off by claiming the, the East Georgia Pop won a 10U championship. And shout out to the parents. Shout out to all the parents right there. But shout out to Coach Eric Harris, C.J. Baldwin, Frank Meter, and Chad Joyner. But, man, couldn't, we'll be remiss if I didn't go down the list of these young ballers. I'm talking about – I'm talking about because I'm, I'm, I know – Aiden, JC, Javion, Jason, Charles, Grant, Joseph, Colton, Tyler, Ethan, Elijah, John, Brody, Troy, Elijah, Noah, Jack, Cameron, Lloyd, Ian, Julian, and my nephew Ryan. Shout out to listen, shout out to that, to them Evan Knights of that 10U football <laughs> team, all in and all in with the parent game. Uh, the most supportive parents we've had in the youth sports period. They hit the road for regional play this weekend in their quest for the national title. It goes. It's go time for them every pop one, <laughs> and they got a big time game tomorrow at eleven. Shout out to them! Yep. Shout out to them! Uh, to them! Uh, to them! Evans Knights, ten U, go Knights! Good to have you back here. Hour two of three and out. We'll hear from Jason Foster this hour, former Georgia Southern quarterback and two thousand seven Walter Payton Award winner. Uh, he will join us. We'll talk about. Going away from a little bit more of an option-based, I'll say that, option-based offense to what Clay Helton is going to do. He, of course, played for Chris Hatcher, who was nothing option-based uh, there when he ran the air raid at Georgia Southern. So I'll hear from Jason Foster coming up in just a little bit. But first, fellas, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one. How seriously Odell Beckham got released on his birthday, no less. How seriously, if you were the Falcons, would you pursue – Odell Beckham to help out your receiving core. Yeah, and I kind of don't understand what happened with 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 the Browns. I mean, why have they not been giving him the football? He's one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League, and we've seen stretches in his career where he's absolutely dominating. I mean, I think I think teams all over the league are going to be looking at this saying, okay, and Ben, you were explaining to me kind of how the waiver process works and contracts, and uh, there are certainly some details there, but I think every team in the league is looking at it as, yes, we can add this guy and make us better, and if you're a team like Atlanta, where you've been, you know, probably average, and, and you feel like you're a couple of players away from maybe taking a step forward, this is a guy that could potentially make you a more viable playoff contender. I mean, I don't know what the hesitation would be for any team. He's in his prime. He's been one of the three to four best wide receivers in the National Football League. He immediately makes your offense better. He's one of the guys that, you know, even if you're on the field, he makes you better. And and, and that is if you're occasionally giving him the football. I mean, in Atlanta or, or, or whoever, I think he's a priority pass catcher. And you get him the ball and he makes your passing game better. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously makes your team better. So, yes, yes for Atlanta, yes for anybody. Uh, speaking of Atlanta wide receivers, want to wish the best to uh, Calvin Ridley uh, with what he's going through right now. But, but yes, I think every team in the league uh, looks looks at Odell Beckham and, and and says, yes, that guy can make us a better football team immediately. Yes, and I mean you you take it extremely serious. I mean for everything you said, BJ, and you get to get him for cheap. You don't have to pick up the contract that he signed uh, when he went to Cleveland when he first signed in uh, in New York and. You, get, you still get a quality football player that's motivated. I don't understand what happened in Cleveland either. I mean, when I first saw him getting a team up with Jarvis Landry and being in Joku and Austin, and Austin Hooper and, you know, in that running game with Nick Chubb and, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt, I thought it was going to be one of the best offenses in football. But <clears throat> Baker Mayfield is a quarterback, so that's another, that's another uh, conversation for another day. But Odell Beckham Jr. It turned 29 today. He got some of the best news. 
Man, you're no longer in Cleveland, but the problem with that is, well, you're no longer anywhere. You got to wait on somebody to pick you up. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, teams can't uh, claim him until Monday. But think about it. Uh, arguably, the best receiver and running back is the same guy for Atlanta, Cordell Patterson. Same guy. So Cordell get to say, hey, man, I don't know if it's going to take some uh, running back snaps out of his uh, away from him, Kevin, but you get a chance to get Odell Beckham Jr. This is not a debate. I mean, BJ, I'm just saying, it's Odell Beckham Jr. Outside of the fact that, you, you know, he want to dye his hair other colors, get him on the squad, let him go out there and play some big-time football in the division that you're going to need all the help you can get. So, yes, the Falcons should be very, very serious about getting a guy like Odell because you get to get him for one year, and he's in a proven year because nobody's going to be giving him more than, not, not much more than league minimum. You get, a, you, get a, you get to get a quality player at a bargain price. Sounds like a good deal to me. And we'll see. I don't think the Falcons have a chance. Uh, again, if you want it out of Cleveland, you're probably going to want to sign with a contender or a team that you think you can win a Super Bowl with. So uh, I think he's now got the choice. And my guess would be he signs with somebody that he feels like can get him to a Super Bowl. We've got to take get to take two. Who is the worst team in the National Football League? All right, I don't think it's Jacksonville. This is and, after the Jets we gave up about, like a gajillion we yards. About, yeah, yeah, Jets gave up like 700 yards. I, I don't think it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville has the win. And you're looking at Detroit. Detroit's 0-8. And listen, they've been close a couple of times. Played Baltimore within two. Played Minnesota within two. But you also, you look at the stretch of recent games. You played Cincinnati and lost 34-11. to You played Philadelphia in your last game on Halloween and lost 44-6. to So not only are you winless, uh, you are winless and have have really struggled lately. So I know some around the league may say Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville's played poorly, uh, clearly in a lot of games, but I think you're winless and in your last game you lost by 38 points. I think I have to go with the Detroit Lions. BJ, this is the one time I definitely gotta agree with you. I don't know why I don't know why we're trying to go. Of course it's Detroit. Of course it is. One team went one to fifteen, the other team went 0 and 16, and if they keep going, they're gonna go 0 and 17. One team's greatest receiver is Jimmy Smith. The other team's greatest receiver is Calvin Johnson. And guess who was on the 0-16 team? Calvin Johnson. Not even Calvin Johnson could help Detroit. So, yes, BJ, it is the Detroit Lions. That is where they send coaches to just, hey, listen, man, we're going to pay you to deal with this nonsense. I don't even know if we have a fan base. I don't even know if they make calls in Detroit anymore. So, I'm just saying everything left Detroit. Barry Sanders, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, Calvin Johnson. You know, they, you know, I mean, Matthew Stafford finally got to get the hell up out of there. And Dan Campbell, like, I can fix it. Yeah, a former tight end get to go up there and be the best coach they had. Nope, got rid of Coach Caldwell when they was winning games. It is the Detroit Lions. They don't make calls. They don't make stars. I don't know what the hell they do, but they got a chance of Kevin. Uh, listen, it is harder. It is harder to go 0-17 than it is to go 17-0. And they are about to do it again. Nobody wants to be the team and say, oh, BJ, do Jacksonville play Detroit? I'm going to have to look at the schedule because that might be the brawl for it all. But Jacksonville at least has a win. It is the Detroit Lions. I think when you see guys coming in here and putting in work, wasn't he crying the other day about how hard they were working? Uh, I, look, I, at the press conference. Let me tell you something. When Dan Campbell says things like, quote, Jared Goff, he got to give us more. Give us more of what? Like this can, is can he give you any less? No, no. <laughs> listen, listen. Uh, I went four. Listen, I went four and twelve. My rookie year, five and eleven. My second year, so we did improve. 
But the thing about it is this, it is hard to win in the NFL. I am, it is no, it, listen, winning in the NFL is like getting the six wins in college football. It is the hardest thing to do. But it is impressive to go 16-0. That's, that's, that's impressive. And now, Dan Campbell was like, I can, I can one-up. They add, they took away a preseason game, BJ, added a regular season. I'm going to go 17-0. I'm, I'm 0-17. You want to be remembered forever? You go 0-17, Dan Campbell. Because once again, BJ, I'll be telling y'all, just because you're a head coach, don't mean it's prestige. There is nothing prestige about Detroit right now. Shout out to Darius Slay, who is no longer in Detroit. <laughs> He is in the city of brotherly love with the Philadelphia Eagles. But yes, BJ and Kevin, it is Detroit, and I don't even think it's close. They're so bad. So bad. I know you can say the Jacks, BJ, but I mean, I think the phrase you uttered in the office the other day applies here for the NFL as well. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> say, look, man, my team's bad, but dang. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 seriously. I mean, if if, if 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 a Jacksonville fan and a Detroit fan meet up and a Detroit fan, like, look at y'all, like, look at us. What? Like, at least, at least our excuse is rookie head coach, rookie first round pick, and our average age is 20-something-year-olds. Yeah. Like 24 and younger. What's ja- y'all excuse? Jacksonville puts bags over seats. Detroit Lions fans put bags over their heads. Rob Gronkowski That's- quit football when they got <laughs> traded to Detroit. He said, I will quit. I will not play. And that and now his contract is void. That's how he ends up in Tampa. That is a that is a true fact right there. Shout out to the GOAT Rob Gronkowski for having business sense. Can't do it. <laughs> can't can't play in Detroit. All right, moving along. Take three, finally, maybe the most important discussion that we've had in a while. But what type of milk do you drink? This this was a, a subject of much consternation in the office the other day. So we thought we'd bring it to the yeah. show and talk it out. It was really interesting how kind of uh, back and forth this conversation became, and I was surprised at a lot of the results. There was a lot of anger directed my way, which I didn't really understand. You and I both, Kevin, yeah, were kind of kind of getting it from the rest of the office. And 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 here's the thing: all right, all right, growing up, growing up, it was either two percent milk or one percent milk, and I like I like both. I could even do skim milk. I think my preference right now is probably 1% milk. You know, I think it just tastes good. I think it's refreshing. It's not like it's not thick. You know, it's something you can you know, put with cereal, whatever. And I even like the almond milk. I like the almond milk. The That's almond not milk, milk is good. I like it. <laughs> but, but, but listen, listen, it, it, it is 1% milk. What are you doing, Ben? It's 1% whoa, whoa, whoa. milk. And I was surprised whoa, whoa, whoa. at how mad y'all got. No, hold on, hold on. One, one, okay, BJ, would you eat one? I, I want the 1% meat. No, I don't want the meat. I want the 1%. No, this, BJ, okay, we, we talked about this. BJ looked at me and said, hey, dude, uh, what kind of, I said, man, I drink, I drink whole milk. BJ like, what? i like, I want milk. Like 1%, 2%, 5%. Listen, I am John Troop's son. That cap better be red and that milk better be whole. That's what's going on in the Troop household. All I'm saying is, BJ, this goes back to the Super Bowl commercial not too many years ago when they was drinking the milk and it really had the chunks in it. And BJ was like, uh-huh. And BJ was like, no. That no. is gross. It, it is. Listen, I can't deal with the chunks. Now, I'm not dealing. I don't want chunky milk. I'm just, no, but I have to drink whole milk. I'm sorry. And BJ looking at me like, are you an adult? Yes, full grown adult. And when I leave here, I'm going to eat some cereal with whole milk in it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not 1%. I'm not 5%. You know, I'm just saying, I, and, and listen. There is and, no 5%. Uh, what, 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 1%, 2%. I'm 
I don't want a percentage. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because because none of us exactly knew what was going on. Was it PJ or Christian? Didn't we actually get clarity as to what all this meant? Do you remember? Do either of you remember? I just, I just remember you. Are, it's it's a, I think it's a fat to to liquid ratio. I mean, no, 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 I believe. No, no. I know what it was. I know what it was. And this is even that. Somebody was eating mayonnaise out the jar. And I was like, that's nasty. And BJ was like, you don't eat mayonnaise. BJ go, I don't eat mayonnaise. And BJ, oh, this started with sour cream. BJ go, I don't eat sour cream. Like, it's nasty. I said, dude, sour cream is delicious. Like, no, it's not. It's just fat. I go, and then he go, I said, I said, like milk. He goes, I said, I drink whole milk. BJ like, you drink whole BJ hit you with that. Are you an adult? Yes. I am an adult. And BJ go, and this would happen. I say something. BJ said something. BJ go, let's ask the office. Cause I'm like, okay, let's let, let let's get it. So yes, I'm a whole milk drinker, and I'm gonna be a whole milk drinker for life, forever. I'm not because one percent milk look blue, and two percent milk is nasty. I just no, give me the whole milk all day long. And BJ don't eat sour cream. Uh, BJ doesn't eat uh, uh whipped cream. That's what it was. But BJ will eat uh dried up vegetables with salsa. That's nasty. That's nasty. But hey, it goes down. I mean, I mean, aren't we supposed to eat vegetables? Like, isn't that part of the plan? No, I, I look, I, I, I think I was amazed at how many people got upset at what other people do with their milk. Like, I've had this going back to even when I was back in the day in college. I was like, what do you like? I like skim milk. What, you like that white water on your cereal? I'm like, I'm not asking you to drink it. Why are you? But no, no listen, I will say this. If we're going to say what kind of milk do you drink, you can't come to the conversation with almond milk. One that is not that is that is not that's not milk. Two that would be like us having a conversation on the show about steak and saying how do you like your steak? You say, "Well, I eat tofu." No. Then you're out of the conversation. You're you're not in this conversation. Ben, 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 ben how do you like your steak? Can that's not your it business. That, it's not your business how. No, no. Shoe leather. Exactly. I've come a long way against I come a long way since then, BJ, but I like what Kevin said. What kind of, do you guys have soy milk? Do you guys have cashew milk? Do you guys have, have y'all almond ever milk? Had, have y'all ever had the almond milk? Have y'all ever, it's, it's good. Yeah, you yeah, get yes, it yes. regular or when like it, vanilla when it's flavored, chocolate yeah. almond milk? When it's fla- of course. When it's flavored, like, could you give me the vanilla soy milk, please? That should be, no, uh, sir, uh, it's on the menu. Yeah, right down there was it has a big hell no. We don't have that. Why would you drink it when you could just drink the real thing? Well, uh, Kevin, per Ben, apparently you and I drinking one percent in skim milk. That's not the real thing. Well, well no, no, it's white. No, it's white water. It do look like it do look like white water. That's what that's what it looks. And Kevin said, you know, no, no, we have we have we, like Kevin says. Look, Kevin's biggest pet peeves are, you know, there's no such thing as double fudge, double chocolate. I don't want to hear that crap. There's no triple chocolate. No, there's but, not. But this is the same. Christian, Ke- no, there's not. But this is the same Kevin Made up. that will go to a restaurant and order the boneless wings. There is no such thing. As a boneless wing, that is a chicken so strip. We, we all have hills we want to die on. Mine's the <laughs> triple chocolate. Ben's is the chicken strip boneless wing. Apparently, BJ's is almond milk. No, 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 it's no, fine. No. It's how they ask me. When I ask for the wings, they go boneless or traditional. What the hell? It is only a, a, a traditional wing with a bone in it. And BJ don't eat sour cream, whipped cream, or mayonnaise, but he would put salsa <laughs> on some nasty as hell vegetables. And we got some, we got some, we got some crazy. On we some got dried some out snow peas. Oh yeah, it'd be on snow peas, yes. That's take three. We'll end it right there. We got more to come. Jason Foster this hour. We're talking Georgia Southern football with the 2007 Walter Payton Award winner. It's Kevin, BJ, and Ben. We'll get to our picks coming up at the top of the final hour of the show. 
We'll hear from Jason Foster, 2007 Walter Payton Award-winning quarterback at Georgia Southern here in just a little bit. But Georgia this week back at it against Missouri and a lot of storylines off the field, on the field. Uh, BJ going into this one, Jamari Sawyer expected to miss the next couple of weeks with a foot injury for the University of Georgia. So you lose one of those bedrocks there on the offensive line. And of course, a lot of Georgia fans uh, have read the news by now. Linebacker Adam Anderson has been suspended indefinitely after being accused of uh, rape. He has not been arrested and denied the allegations through his attorney. So that investigation is ongoing and he has been suspended indefinitely while that investigation is taking place. They'll be without him. And you'll find out later this afternoon, Connor Bazelak for Missouri not going to play this weekend as well. So a, uh, as if the uphill battle wasn't big enough for Missouri, it got a little taller there. Yeah, and with Anderson, you know, a very, very serious, very concerning allegations and, you know, the right call suspended indefinitely and uh, situation where, you know, the, the the legal system the you know the system uh, will will uh, uh, you know take take some time obviously to thoroughly investigate this uh, and 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 then on the injury front um, Jamari Sawyer a guy that can play guard and tackle for Georgia uh, NFL player very good player I I, I think if you're looking at him uh, Sawyer being out for a couple of weeks maybe the Tennessee game is a game that, that, that probably on paper feels like that's the bigger challenge than Missouri. And then with Missouri, they do have the SEC's leading rusher, I believe, in Tyler Batty. I think he's over 900 yards rushing. But you talk about facing the best defense. Maybe we've seen him, what, uh, maybe a generation, one of the top defenses of the last 15, 20 years, and you're not going to have your starting quarterback in Basilac there's not going to be a lot of production. That's, I mean, you're going to struggle to get first downs. You're going to – and the line, I think, you know, people – a lot of people were surprised when the line came out at, at 38. And I think when uh, when uh, Basilak was announced that he's not going to go, I think it even went up higher than that. So Missouri's going to have a significant challenge on Saturday. Yeah, Georgia dealing with you know dealing with injuries, dealing with uh, dealing with uh, you know players, uh, you know dealing with things off the field. BJ, as you mentioned, and I just, I just thank you for this Georgia team. Sometimes, you know, when you talk about the road to a championship, you're going to have bumps in the road. You're going to have trials and tribulations seen and unforeseen uh, situations. But, I mean, it just goes with it. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, you know, with Anderson, you know, you, you just got to let the legal system play out. I mean, we, we we can't comment on things we don't know too much about, but we're going to let the legal uh, you know system play out. You're talking about Jamari Sawyer, BJ. You feel bad for him, but the thing about this offensive line, they've been retooling all the year, you know, who the best five guys, but – you got to play and plug a guy. Connor Basilak not being there for Mizzou is going to hurt. But I saw a stat <clears throat> that really sums up how great this Georgia defense is. Georgia defense has has created more points on off. I mean, because of turnovers than they've given up all year. They've created more points off of turnovers than they've given up all year. But yeah, you know this Georgia team. BJ and Kevin understands that they are the hunted. Regardless of how good they play, this November is going to be crazy because just because you got number one next to your name doesn't mean that people ain't going to – you're going to get the opposing team best effort. I do think BJ that Tennessee game is going to be a bigger game. But, look, I just think that when you're talking about a team like Georgia who has big-time postseason aspirations, this is just a part of, uh, you know, another week. But they're going to have to find a way – you know, they, they say that what pressure is a privilege down there. We're going to see how good they, they handle the pressure. But, yeah, this defense about as good as I've ever seen uh, at Georgia. Yeah, and again, they've got just a handful of games left to finish the deal here in the regular season. I think we all know what the 
what the deal is here for the dogs, BJ, and that is four more wins, and it probably doesn't matter what you do in the SEC championship game. You're in the college football playoff at the end of the day. But uh, certainly Missouri this week without Connor Bays, like you were telling me, hey, they may not get a first down this weekend. <laughs> and, again, it's going to be up. This is a team that struggled to beat Vanderbilt uh, last week. So it was going to be a big challenge anyway. But I think Georgia uh, still wins pretty handily uh, this week. And you see if any of this catches up to them against Tennessee in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think when you look at the remaining schedule, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, off the top of my head, I believe you have uh, Missouri, Tennessee, maybe Charleston Southern, and and Georgia Tech, I think, are your final four. Uh, You know, you're going to be heavily favored, of course, in all of those games. I think going to Neyland with an offense, Hendon Hooker's been really good. I think he's in the top five or ten in the country in in passer rating. Uh, You are – talking about a team that could present some challenges, you know, played played Alabama close for three quarters. I still think Georgia will be obviously a multi-score favorite. Uh, and then, you know, Georgia Tech at the end of the year, Georgia Tech has not been going in the right direction, uh, played Virginia Tech close, but not able to finish games, still struggling a little bit offensively there, you know, with Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Maybe the offense not quite as productive consistently week to week. Uh, you know, some concerns about play calling and uh, coordinators uh, over the last couple of weeks coming out of uh, fans from Georgia Tech. So I think you feel pretty confident that Georgia is going to win out the regular season. Uh, and to me, I know we've talked to a couple of analysts who have said, listen, Georgia, as long as they don't lose 42 to six, I think even if they lose 42 to six, if Georgia goes to the SEC championship game, and gets blown out, but they're undefeated, they are in the college football playoff. You just went undefeated in the SEC, lost to Alabama, who the committee's telling us right now is the number two team in the country behind Georgia. So the best team you can play if you're Georgia is Alabama per the committee. Uh, I know people don't value the Clemson win anymore, but at that time, that was a team that was top five. You you know easily defeated Florida. You easily defeated Auburn, who very – very quickly has moved back into the national top, what, 15? So I think Georgia, if they went out in the regular season, as expected, maybe a slight test at Tennessee, but I think if you went out, you are in the college football playoff, even if you lose in lopsided fashion in Atlanta. Isn't it crazy how you know how fast uh, you know the ties turn? No pun intended. If Georgia, if Georgia goes into Atlanta without having to beat Alabama, but BJ, what if they do? Still beat Alabama. Just to add, icing on the cake, you be the reason why Alabama doesn't go back to the college football playoff. But, yeah, Georgia's going to be all about, you know, uh, controlling what they can control, not not letting distractions get in the way, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, teammates of theirs dealing with things off the field or players that's hurt right now. I mean, we forget all about the fact that George Pickens, uh, you know, out before the season started. Darnell Washington didn't play in a, you know, uh, in a number of games. Gares Jackson, you know, and Stetson Bennett being the star, that just shows how great of a team Georgia is. But they're going to have to they're going to have to finish the deal, Kevin, because as we know, what we love the most about college football is two things. One, to see the to see the team you can't stand lose. And the unpredictability of it. Well, I don't see Georgia losing, but that unpredictability happens every week. I don't think Mizzou is going to do anything but get the brakes beat off them. But that's why we watch, and that's why we will be watching. And we've got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll chat with Jason Foster, former Georgia Southern quarterback. Or Walter, I say Heisman, basically FCS Heisman Trophy. I won the Walter Payton Award in 2007. He'll join us when we come back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here on 3 and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. And Georgia Southern new head coach, 
Clay Helton announced yesterday in Statesboro and joining us here on the program, a 2007 Walter Payton Award winner at quarterback there for Georgia Southern. Jason Foster joins us here on 3 and Out. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you all for having me. How are you? Hey, man, we are doing uh, fantastic. Of course, uh, a lot of folks, when they think Georgia Southern talk about the option, you actually ran quarterback not in an option. And, uh, and, and Clay Helton coming in saying, look, we're, we may have a few plays that have an option in them, but uh, we're going to go away from that. How, how difficult of a transition do you think that's going to be for Georgia Southern? You were a part of one that kind of went away from it as well. Right. Well, I think they got talented quarterback, so um, I think it could be done. I think they'll have much success in it. And with the day where high school football is going now, there are not a lot of option teams, true option teams. So I think we'll transition just fine. And I, um, I think the quarterbacks will do well. Jason, I know you played a couple of different positions before becoming a record-setting quarterback at Georgia Southern, but what was it like for the team, for the offense, I believe Mike Seawalk, then then Brian Van Gorder, then Chris Hatcher, going from the flex bone, the traditional flex bone, to uh, different offenses with Van Gorder and Hatcher? Right. Um, to start off with, it's pretty difficult because you different terminology, uh, different way to read plays, but you get into your playbook and once you get the hang of it, I think it's just about playing football. And you really want to just generate points. So you're really not worrying about what offense it is. As long as it's working and points to get on the board, I think that kind of solves the problem right there and you, everyone's happy. And, Jason, when you think about the, uh, you know, what, we do, what, what a lot of offenses do now with the RPOs, the run-pass option, how much, how much more better is an offense when you got a player of your caliber that can use his arms, use his legs, but you still understand the fundamentals of playing the position while still playing within the confines of that system? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a tremendous advantage for us because um, using your legs, the longer you can stay alive in the pocket, obviously the more people become open. When you have that threat of running, defenses just can't drop aid or, you know, play umbrella coverage. So I think being able to do both and with the, the talent we have at quarterback, the speed we have at, you know, running back and receivers, I think that's going to be even more of an advantage to us. So if we can get that down and get an intermediate passing game, I don't think obviously we're not going to be throwing bombs every play, but I think if you hit the 15-yard outs, 10-yard outs and curls, I think adding that in with the RPL, I think Georgia Southern offense is going to skyrocket and be on its way. Jason, how much do the offensive line responsibilities change in a transition like that? Yeah, they're going to be the key part to it because you can draw up all the plays you want, but if they can't block it, you, know, you kind of got to scrap that play, scrap this play. So I really think um, they're going to be the vital part of it. I think Coach Helton, he's going to get a get a feel of what they can and cannot do. Um, and once he gets that down packed, I can definitely see plays being added and plays being taken away. So to me, that's going to be the main key. A lot of talk about what the offensive identity will be, and and we talked about that. You know, is it a is there a specific scheme? I mean, in two thousand seven, you guys were incredibly productive with Coach Hatcher. Was was the offensive identity established in in spring ball? Did it take a couple of games into the season? Was there one kind of set of goals, or, or were you guys kind of versatile throughout the year? Uh, we we definitely had a goal, but. Uh you know, to score points, but we, we kind of had an identity as we got through the spring and through the spring game that, you know, really was on your third down plays, you know who who's going to get the ball. And I think everybody kind of knows what plays are going to are going to be called. So I think if Georgia Southern kind of has to develop that identity. I know a little bit, it seems like they struggled a little bit with this year so far as far as, um, you know, third down, who's getting the ball, what play is coming. I think through the spring ball, they're really going to have to kind of decide, hey, this is what we're going to be. Are we going to be a power team? Are we going to be able to throw screens? Are we going to get out on the edge? 
you always fall back to your base plays when it's kind of crunch time. So I'll be anxious to see what they come up with. I think Coach Helton's going to end up wanting to do in an offense like this. He want to have a playmaker quarterback. Cause like I said, they could do the RPOs, you know, build that trust, build that confidence. But just talk about when you in a, when you in a system that specializes in what you do, when your instincts take over, how much easier the game is, and how much better you make those guys around you. Right. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, very good point. The instincts take over, and you, you'll see it throughout a game, and you'll see a quarterback kind of ad lib a play. You'll see if the running back's hot. Once you know what's coming and you can almost call the game in your head, sometimes you can call your own plays. You get, you get comfortable enough with your coaching staff, they'll let you call your own plays. So I think once your instinct takes over, I think that's when you really have a grasp of the offense and you'll see you know 30 and 40-point games going up on the scoreboards. And you see a lot of that in college now, but that's because kids are so good coming out of high school. There's a lot of personal training going on. So when they get to college, they're ahead of the curve. You know, I said when we went to college, we did a lot of learning. But now I mean, you get a kid who's, who can be a freshman and go in there and play right away. So I think that's definitely an advantage and something that they'll be looking forward to a quarterback to be able to do. Jason Foster joining us here on 3 and Out, and uh, Georgia Southern gets Clay Helton, the guy who was head coach at, at Southern Cal. What was your kind of thoughts on on the hire when you heard about it? I, I think it's big for Georgia Southern because, um, you know, obviously we moved up in the classification. So your, your coaching has to match. I, you know, I'm definitely a coach luncher guy, being that he coached with me. But, you know, you definitely need a change and. He, he, the real key is going to be can you recruit, especially this area. I know it's a lot of talent here, and I know he mentioned in one of his interviews I watched earlier. So being able to recruit and retain players is going to be a big part of it just as much as the X's and O's. So you got to be able to out-recruit your opponent, and I think he's going to be able to bring that. Um, obviously his offenses have been you know, very good wherever, you know, his years at USC. So definitely look to see the offense get on track and kind of you can score points, you know, you can fill up the stadium. So that's always a good thing. And then also scoring points brings in more recruits. So I think with, I think he's going to be a good fit. You know, they, they got him under five-year contract. You know, we're, we're paying the guy good money. So I'm anxious to see what happens. A lot of talk at the press conference and in the media about Georgia Southern as a national brand. You know, you think about the national championships, uh, uh, ships, uh, six of them. You think about, you know, guys like you and Tracy Hamm and, and Adrian Peterson. Uh, what's it like from your perspective – watching Georgia Southern only continue to grow in profile and stature and uh, be a program that is talked about around the country? Oh, man, it's exciting. Um, you can brag to your friends, too, you know, like, hey, Georgia Southern's on TV or Georgia Southern's doing this. So it's definitely a good thing that uh, they're growing, expanding, hiring big-time coaches, bigger names. Um, and and, and it's, it goes a long way just for the university itself when you know, hey, this guy's a football coach here. It brings people to it brings people to the area. Um, I know you go back and you can see Adrian down there, and you see uh, Tracy still around campus. All those things makes a difference to the community around. It. And I believe you know, Coach Helton coming is just that much more special. And I think it's going to create a, a, even a better vibe for Georgia Southern football. I mean, Jason, they got they got the right height. Now they got to get the players in there to see what guys that they can be holdovers for. Uh, you know, when when you talk about what they're trying to implement offensive wise, but what is it going to be like when you know, uh, your Georgia Southern Eagles are finally hosting a Sun Belt Championship. Man, that'll be awesome, right? That's what that's what we're all looking forward to, and I think the community we all want. And I think uh, it's you know we feel like we deserve it because we moved up in classification. We've been re- working hard, and I think this guy can bring it to it. And I know everybody wants to get down to the game and pack the stadium up. You know how Paulson can get, especially at nighttime. So I'm I mean I'm more than ecstatic for it, and I'm ready for it. Jason Foster, our guest here on 3 and Out. Jason, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. 
I thank y'all for having me. Appreciate it. Jason Foster, our guest here, 2007 Walter Payton Award winner, talking about that transition there to uh, to, to Coach Helton and saying, look, the receivers and quarterbacks, it's about learning the playbook, offensive linemen. It's more about learning the techniques and things that the coaches want you to do. Yeah, and I mean, you look at you look at Georgia Tech and 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 their transition is, of course, not the exact same thing as Georgia Southern has not been running the true flex bone or or the true dive option. I think is the phrase we've heard. Ben, I don't know how much of a you know transition it was for for, for y'all offensively from Steve Spurrier to Ron Zook, but I do think I do think you know there's 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 going to be a process, right? I mean, that's only natural, and I don't know necessarily that there's a a you know definite kind of clarification in terms of what the expectations are. We were talking about it earlier in the show. Do we have to be 50-50? Are we going to, you know, you heard Jason say, I don't think we're going to be throwing bombs. It's the intermediate passing routes. And I agree, you know, can you have those 15-yard, 10-yard, 12-yard conversions? I think that's where maybe the biggest change is going to have to occur. And I think proficiency is going to be the key where, you know, can you complete a high percentage of your passes? I think that's going to be a new element. And, and, and just honestly, I don't think that's something that, you're going to be next year the same team in game one that you are in game seven, that you are in game 12. I think it's going to take some time. And I also think spring practice is going to be very important. It's going to come down to execution. And the reason why I kept talking to Jason about instinct, BJ, but before that was, you know, when you, you know, BJ, we saw, we saw Michael Vick, but, but he was playing instinctual football. You know, and then you see a Cam Newton, right? Uh, he was playing instinctual football. Do you see a Lamar Jackson? That, that's instinctual football. Now, I don't know how many guys got drafted on a Cam Newton's team. I don't think any receivers got drafted with uh, with, with uh, Lamar Jackson. But if I got a playmaker at the quarterback position, and I'm saying, look, I want you to go, I want you to go from quarterback to playmaker to instinctual player. It's only going to make the team better. So we'll we'll see what happens because obviously it's all speculation right now. But if you got a quarterback that can do everything you ask and still play within the confines of the system that keeps you ahead of the chains, that don't turn the ball over, you got a shot to be real good real fast regardless of when they're waiting to get those to get those horses on the outside. Absolutely. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here on 3 and Out, we'll get to our college football picks coming up in just a little bit, we'll hear from Ben Ingram, Braves Radio Network. If you missed that yesterday, talking about this Braves unbelievable season. And uh, we'll hear from Jared Binko, who we had a chance to speak with about uh, his newest hire, Clay Helton, there as the head football coach at uh, at Georgia Southern. But uh, BJ and Ben, obviously, uh, starting, I think, today, you had the... Uh, the opening statements, the opening arguments, I guess, uh, in the Ahmad Arbery trial uh, in Brunswick. And that certainly has captivated a lot of attention, not just here in the state of Georgia, but all over the country. It has. It has. And the thing about it is, is Kevin, as you mentioned, it is opening arguments. Look, out, look, our hearts and prayers goes out to Ahmad Arbery's family. Uh, and I understand that everybody deserves due process. Uh, when you talk about, you know, in the eyes of the law, everybody's innocent until proven guilty, things of that nature. But. You know, this is going to be one of those, Kevin and BJ, the way you say, look, man, I mean, uh, when you when you from when you from the Golden Isles, when you're from Brunswick, Georgia, I don't think it should be known for something catastrophic. But this will this will be a part of uh, the history of coastal Georgia forever, forever. But we just praying. We just praying. Uh, you know, we praying for justice, but we definitely praying that um, Ahmaud Arby's family understand that not just the Golden Isles, not just coastal Georgia, but the entire world will be watching. And uh, we just uh, we just praying for the right thing to be done. 
I think that's well said, Ben. And, uh, you know, just continue to pray and think about Ahmad's family and friends. Pray for them. Pray for justice. Pray for the community. Um, just just horrific, uh, unfathomable. And I think, you know, to to continue to pray is 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 very important, is is very meaningful. And uh, Ben, I just think it's I think it's well said, you know, it's it's it, it's really, you know, difficult emotional to think about and and i just think continue to you know pray for 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 him his family uh his loved ones his friends and uh and the community uh, uh over the next couple of days next couple of weeks certainly for sure and again now we will uh we'll see how uh this uh, this trial unfolds but all well said uh, by both of you guys i will echo the echo Echo those uh, sentiments uh here on the show as well as that gets started uh today and Again, we'll go on until they reach a, uh, a resolution uh, in that trial. And as you said, you uh, just hope for, uh, for justice in that situation uh, to be done at the end of the day. Uh, so we've got uh, that uh, to get to uh, as we see it play out. And uh, certainly, BJ, as we head into uh, the weekend, a lot still to come. We'll get to our, uh, our picks coming up in, uh, in just a little bit. But we are still five weeks of college football, starting to feel cold outside and uh, you're starting to feel playoff time in high school football. I know last week of the regular season this week, but uh, the weather turning cold and uh, you start to get down to where each week is going to decide how this thing potentially plays out. Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, some big high school football games tonight in terms of uh, state implications, in terms of playoff implications, and certainly uh, wishing the best to all the student athletes out there that have worked so hard uh, for a chance to make it to the state playoffs and a number of local teams uh, have already have already you know solidified their spots for the postseason but i think kevin up and down the coast there are games tonight uh where playoff implications are on the line i think pj zuko uh digitally will have johnson and beach tonight playoff implications there and then with college football uh you know talking to some of the talking to some of the guests about kind of how the playoff scenario is going to work out i mean kevin you say this every year when i start going what if this happens what if this happens you'll say well, it generally works itself out. And then you look at the Big Ten schedule. Uh, there are games where you'll have Ohio State, Michigan State, for example. Uh, Alabama, I mean, Alabama's got Auburn in the Iron Bowl. And we kind of forgot about Auburn, but, but they're in a different position right now. Cincinnati's going to have to worry about SMU uh, potentially later in the year, maybe even twice. So uh, these, these, these games, when we get close to kind of championship time, you, you, you think you know what's going to happen. You think you have it figured out, but – you never know. And and look, I, there, there are some really interesting games even outside of kind of the national championship race. Georgia Southern has Coastal Carolina in, in Statesboro. Uh, and that's an opportunity against a nationally ranked team for Coach Whitley and his staff to go out and make a statement. Georgia Tech, you know, it's been probably a disappointing couple of weeks for Georgia Tech. They're at Miami, believe it or not. Georgia Tech has had some success in that series against Miami in recent years. I mean, is there some uh, frustration with some coordinators potentially at Georgia Tech. So fascinating storylines. And uh, I think tomorrow in the SEC, Ben, the most interesting game might be Texas A&M and Auburn. That's number 13 and 14, I believe. So, yes, this time of year, big games and a lot on the line. <coughs> not not to get into my uh, football speak, uh, you know, BJ and Kevin, but, I mean, Ron, it's time. I mean, you hear the same things. I mean, separation is through preparation. I mean, that's what you hear all the time. Man. We separate ourselves through how we prepare. I mean, you know, your altitude will be determined by your attitude. I mean, I know this stuff sounds quirky, but this stuff, it makes all the sense in the world. And who has staying power? Staying power is not who's the best team. Who's built for this? Kevin, you said something. 
Hot teams don't like to play in the cold, and cold teams can't wait till it get cold, and it's going to favor some of those teams. You're talking about the Big Ten, PJ. The weather turning cold, that's what they used to. You know, that little white stuff coming out the sky is not something we like to deal with, but they can't wait. But, hey, Kevin, it's going to come down to who has that staying power, who can deal with who can who can handle the things that they can't foresee coming down the road because November, this college football playoff is going to look totally different, not just in the coming weeks, but you know, not just at, uh, at the end of this five weeks, but every week, uh, you know, coming up. But this is why you play, this is why you love it. But to Georgia, understand everybody's coming for you. And if you go into the SC championship game with an L, BJ, if Georgia goes in there with the L and they got to beat Alabama. Whoa, 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 I know, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just saying, I'm just who? To, huh? to who? Uh, listen, to uh, who? listen, listen, Rick, listen, Rick, listen, Ricky Waters. <laughs> For who? For what? No, no, no. All I'm saying is, BJ, we have seen crazy things happen before. I'm just saying, BJ, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm going to see something really crazy. Oh, happen. oh, oh. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying, you know. I don't see it. I, I mean, I something really, uh, all, all, really all, crazy. Listen, all is I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. I don't see it. Happening. A quarterback. Playing receiver against Georgia at home, beat them. Because we didn't see three three picks with Israel Mukwamu. I mean, I mean, I, not, I, not this Georgia whoa, team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I think that's a big <laughs> distinction uh, there as well. They, they didn't have a defense that's given up six points a game here in 2021. That's a huge distinction. We'll come back. We'll get to our picks. Sure to go wrong. <laughs> and they have been wrong uh, quite a bit. We'll also hear from uh, Jared Binko, Ben Ingram as well. It is 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com, Facebook, Twitter, and you can find us on YouTube at ESPN Coastal. Good to have you back here. Final hour of 3 and Out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. College football setting up for another very interesting weekend uh, out there as we – the final five weeks. You got four games for most teams, championship game, uh, in that fifth week, and we are quickly coming down the home stretch of the college football season. BJ and Ben, we get to our picks. Sure to go wrong, and I will keep saying that as long as Cody Queen is leading our picks. <laughs> I, I mean, again, explain rigged. It. Explain lucky. it. Lucky. Hey, I'm a Central Florida fan. I also like LSU. What? I'm an and LSU. Blake I'm an LSU. Cam Newton. I'm an LSU supporter. <laughs> Cody, the man of a thousand teams. Uh, it's uh, really what it is, but. We get to the picks here. BJ, let's start tonight. You got a Friday night special in the ACC. Virginia Tech at Boston College. Boston College doing the red bandana game uh, in honor of Wells Crawford, who lost his life on 9-11. So Virginia Tech goes to Boston College. They are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, Virginia Tech, going to Boston College. Yeah, powerful tradition there uh, uh, at at, at Boston College for that hero. Look, this is tough, man. It's the ACC. Kevin, I'm kind of on – on on your way of thinking here with this where it's like whatever you kind of think is going to happen go the other way i guess I, I boston college good defensively they've had injuries but still pretty good offensively as well i think they're better at the line of scrimmage so because of that i will go boston college i will go boston college bj whenever you plan for something bigger than yourself and you at home and obviously the season hasn't gone the way you thought i mean hasn't been hasn't been the team they started the year off with but yes i will go with boston college at home i actually Went the other way because I'm like, 
I feel like everybody thinks Boston College will win at home. Therefore, you got to go with Virginia Tech. So I'm laying the two and a half there for uh, Virginia Tech. Missouri is at Georgia, and I think this line has moved since then. Uh, Connor Basilak not playing. Georgia is laying 39 and a half points, BJ and Ben. All right. I, I, I don't feel good about this pick, but in some ways, I, I feel like Missouri and uh, – I want to be clear here because Christian said sometimes the picks will get posted online and like when I pick a team to cover, they think I'm picking a team to win. No, no, it's going to be close. No, this is not going to be close. I'm talking about, uh, you know, Missouri covering the spread. This is not going to be close. But look at it like this. And they probably, I mean, they might get shut out. But I would expect this will be a game where Georgia late in the game is playing a lot of, you know, a lot of reserves, a lot of, you know, young players, backups. If, if it's, I mean, if Missouri scores 10, if Missouri scores 10, granted, that would be better than average, but Georgia's, Georgia's got to get 50, and, and I think it'll be a, you know, 28, 35-point lead pretty early, but I wonder then, you know, do you see a lot of backups just, just all around every position? So Georgia's going to completely, you know, just, just run away with this game, but I, I think if you're giving me 40 points, basically, I will, I guess, pick Missouri to cover. I mean, look, Missouri, Missouri's got to cover for this reason, this reason alone. 14 to 0, it's, it might as well be 100 to 0 for Georgia. Once Georgia goes up 14, Missouri's, Missouri's not going to move the ball. People to my Connor Bates. It wouldn't have mattered if Connor Bates like, was going to be, they still wasn't going to cover. Yes, BJ, I will take Missouri with the points because sometimes, George, listen, Georgia's trying to get them starters out as soon as possible once this game was out of hand. So hopefully it's going to be a lot of ball caps on the sideline. Kevin and BJ in the second half, Missouri will cover. Oh, no, I'm, I'm laying for it. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I, it's going to happen. BJ, I, I've sat here week after week after week, and what have we said every week with George? Oh, man, that's a lot of points. A 19 was a lot against Florida. Oh, I will lay 39 and a half with Georgia. And take the dogs in this one. Wake Forest, number nine, at North Carolina. They're an underdog on the road. North Carolina laying two and a half points at home in a non-conference ACC matchup, if that makes any sense. I mean, aside from that, if you're Wake Forest, I mean, how disrespected do you feel? You're like number nine in the playoff poll. You're undefeated. Then you're playing a team that's unranked, and you're in the top ten on the road, and you're the underdog. I mean – Look, I, I, I understand North Carolina, Sam Howell, you know, they were su- supposed to be a lot better, but I, I believe in Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is going to actually keep going. This offense, how do you slow them down? Sam Hartman should be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Give me Wake Forest. Yes, I'm gonna go away for us. I like Sam Howe. I do not like I do not like his cans of characters around him. They have underperformed. BJ, ever since ever since the world started talking about uh North Carolina since last year, and he don't got those receivers out, out wide with De'Ami Brown and that, and that two-headed monster running back, no. Give me Wake Forest and continue winning. No one's going to care in the college football playoff polls, Kevin. But, yes, Wake will continue winning. Yeah, I'm getting and I'm getting two points. Yeah, I will go, I will take Wake Forest uh, in this one, getting the two and a half. Liberty is at number 16, Ole Miss. Liberty, uh, again, got a quarterback that in uh, Malik Willis that may be one of the top ones off of the board in the NFL draft. Against another guy that might be one of the top guys off the board in Matt Corral in the NFL draft, Ole Miss laying nine and a half. Great quarterback matchup, and you're right. Could be the you know number one, number two quarterbacks taken in some order with Corral and Willis. And remember, Malik Willis started his career at Auburn uh, and and uh, went to Liberty. And Liberty's been really good. I think 
This season, not quite as good. I lost a game to Syracuse earlier in the year, had some close games. So I think it'll be close for a while, but in the end, I think Ole Miss bounces back from last week, and I will take Ole Miss uh, to cover and win. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I love Malik Willis as well. I think, uh, BJ, when you're talking about quarterback play, if you are good, they will find you incredible talent. But I just think Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin, those guys are going to uh, keep with their winning ways, so give me them Ole Miss boys. Yeah, I went with uh, Ole Miss laying the nine and a half uh, at home. I think Liberty gives them a good run, but 10 points with an offense that could put up 60 in a hurry, that's that's not much to uh, worry about. Auburn, number 13 at number 14, Texas A&M. The Aggies are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I have no idea, man. I, I, I mean, this feels like an ACC game in that you have no idea what to expect from either team. Texas A&M in the same season – beat Alabama, and had to get a last-minute score to beat Colorado. I mean, I, 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 I have no idea. And, and Auburn every year, I guess if you're telling me that Auburn's getting over a field goal in a game that will probably be close, I will take Auburn with the points getting four and a half in this game. I will take Auburn, BJ, because they're starting to do it again, right? I mean, no really, no real expectations for this Auburn team. They go up to Penn State and lose. They are 6-2 and two on the season. They still control their own destiny to potentially uh, represent the West in the SEC championship game. So for that, and, you know, I mean, while Texas A&M is good, they, they, they play down to, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, bad competition. So give me them Auburn boys with a big dub against Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I went with Auburn as well. Maybe a little much uh, group think there, but give me the four and a half for Auburn at Texas A&M. Auburn still controls their own destiny as well. Now, BJ, you get to one where you said you didn't know what was going to happen. Here's one you don't know what's going to happen. Number 17, Mississippi State at Arkansas. Mississippi State ranked and is a four and a half point underdog uh, as Arkansas is laying four and a half at home. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I have no idea again. I mean, Mississippi State has played with some of the best teams in the SEC. They also, in week one, were getting blown out in the fourth quarter by Louisiana Tech. I don't know. I mean, I, look, I guess I, I guess uh, the Bulldogs have, have some momentum right now, maybe a little more than Arkansas. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Give me Mississippi State. I'm trying to, like, think as I go, and there's no conviction to be found. There's no, you know, I, I'm not learning more as I think. I'm, I'm, I'm even getting more confused. So, yes, give me, uh, give me Mississippi State. Mississippi State has been playing better as of late. That's why I'm doing my Kevin Thomas and going with Arkansas at home. I mean, look, this is one of those toss-up games. I mean, Mississippi State can blow out Arkansas. Arkansas can blow out Mississippi State. Or this could be watching paint dry. Like, could somebody do something? So, because I'm going to go with the team at home, give me them Arkansas boys. They play. They seem to play a little different at home. Yeah, I went Arkansas minus the four and a half at home as well. Number 19, NC State, is at Florida State. I think this is an ACC special game of the week. NC State is ranked. They're laying two and a half. Florida State's just kind of spitting and sputtering around. Probably means you should lean Florida State, but what are you going to do, BJ? It is going to be a close game, and, and I think that – the fact that it's a close game makes me worry for Florida State. You know, Notre Dame, close game, you lose. Jacksonville State, close game, you lose. I mean, you're talking about Clemson, close game, you lose. So because of that, 
I think it'll be close, but I will take NC State. BJ, BJ, BJ. You know, you have little faith. You know, Jordan Travis is a guy that's probably one of the feel-good stories of college football when you look at the fact that he's developed, he's developed a nice little passing game to go along with those legs. And if they get the ball to Corbin, I just I just think Florida State is a team that should have beaten Clemson a week ago. Let, let's go ahead and put that out there. I think they get back into that win column this week. I'll take them Florida State boys. I'm going NC State laying the two and a half, and I probably shouldn't do it because I've this is one where I just feel it. The ranked ACC team going to lose at the end of the day. LSU was at number two, Alabama. When did you think you would see this? Alabama laying 28 and a half against LSU. And, and, and I actually have confidence here. This is one where I do have confidence. Alabama is playing probably with a point to prove to affirm their college football playoff rankings. LSU has a lot of, you know, a lot of issues. I will take Alabama to cover. Alabama going to beat the hell out of LSU. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and this is why. In the last, what, 11 years, BJ, 10, 11 years, they won one time, I think. And that was in 2019. Well, the 2019 LSU Tigers beat everybody. They haven't won since. So, yes, and, and, and I know the LSU was coming in, the walking wounded, both starting, starting cornerbacks out. Miles Brennan uh, in the transfer portal. I mean, Max Johnson, he only gets up for my Florida Gators. They gonna, it's going to get ugly, giving them Alabama boys to cover. Yeah, I think this is going to be ugly. I took Alabama laying the 28 and a half. Tennessee is at number 18, Kentucky. Tennessee actually a favorite on the road against the Wildcats. They lay one. And maybe a look-ahead game for Tennessee, looking ahead to Georgia. I kind of don't understand the line. Uh, I think Kentucky, a balanced team, maybe a little more balanced than Tennessee. I will take I will take the Wildcats at home. Oh, man, the Wildcats are different at home. I mean, it's just as my Florida Gators, but I don't see no blocked field goals. I don't see that offense getting going. BJ, I like what Tennessee is doing, playing with a lot of momentum. Hendon Hooker finally got a chance to play. Seems to be playing well at Coach Hopper's offense. Give me them boys from Knoxville. Yeah, playing fast, playing quick. I'm taking Tennessee and traditionally have owned Kentucky in this series. I think at one point had a 30-plus year winning streak against the Wildcats. Give me Kentucky laying the one. Final game up on the docket, Florida minus 20 against South Carolina. Ben, I don't know what you think here. That's a lot. That's a lot for a team that's struggling a little bit. I think Florida wins. South Carolina trouble, you know, offensively being consistent, closing out games. Florida wins, but Saturday night in Columbia, I think, yeah, I, I will take South Carolina with 20 points. Listen, I don't know who come up with these schedules before the beginning. I mean, first game of the year, Florida got to play at 830. Now it's getting cold. They got to play at 930. I can't even stay up, you know, past 8 o'clock. I do think Florida gets to win, uh, Kevin and BJ, but it makes me very, very nervous because Anthony Richardson, while they say he's in concussion uh, protocol, he's, 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 he's getting brand new Dodge Ram, I mean, Dodges. And then when you talk about Emory Jones, he's a good teammate, Florida. Just get the win. I don't care if it's 17 to 16 slobber <laughs> knocker get the dub i'm gonna go with florida but them, but them, that 20 points that kind of stuff makes me nervous yeah i'm gonna go south carolina getting 20 i think florida probably wins but it's close a week that's been interesting dan mullen talking about well we'll talk about recruiting later and <laughs> nobody's gonna talk to anybody this week we're just gonna shut it down and focus on ourselves i i think florida wins south carolina though gonna cover that 20 we've got so much to get to here in the final hour of the program we'll hear from ben ingram we had a chance to speak with him yesterday braves radio network about just the amazing brave season they had the pecan or go to our youtube page and you can catch that interview there in the podcast version of the show but college football this weekend should be a lot of fun the new uh, rankings coming out on tuesday uh bj and ben and 
Uh, we'll see what the college football world looks like, knowing that obviously these Big Ten matchups are going to happen. Alabama and Auburn still left to play. A lot of things yet to be decided. Yeah, and Wake Forest there at number nine, taking on North Carolina. I mean, if they win, depending upon what happens, I mean, do you keep, like Ben, you said earlier when we were making our picks, you said Wake Forest wins, no one cares. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how the 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 rankings that come out reflect what happens. But, yeah, I mean, I, I there's there's always unpredictability. You know, I, I do think, looking at the schedule, that Texas A&M-Auburn game might be the game to watch. Cincinnati. It's been fun. White Forest, no one cares, but it should be fun come Tuesday night. And again, Friday night, kind of cold and rainy out there, but it is the last week of high school football in the regular season. So get out and support uh, your local area team as a lot of teams wrap up their regular season. Playoffs right around the corner. So still some football left for some teams. Some teams will see their seasons come to an end uh, tonight, but get out there and support your local high school football team here this evening. And we will see you on Monday right here, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you as the show ends on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We'll see you Monday here on three and out.